This is Raptors Shootaround. It's on to the finals. A TSN 1050 playoff special. Oh, baby, what a play. The Raptors and the NBA Finals live here. Yes, guy. Yes, guy. Wow. What a night that was. The Raptors with a 2-1 series lead, 123-109. Welcome to Shoot Around for a post-game Thursday as we get you set for Game 4. Uh, there's just so much stuff, but before we go on, I, I just I have to do this. And so, June 6, 1944, 75 years ago, was and still is D-Day. And if you are a descendant of, related to anybody who had any kind of role in that day, thank you. And if by pure chance, you happen to be involved in that day and you're still with us, bless you. And there is no transition out of what I just said there. I just wanted to make that notation to start off the broadcast. And so, let's go back to the game last night, 123-109. And there are just so many things to to bite into here. We're going to have a lot of sound in the next two segments going over the game and then looking forward to what could happen. And certainly the big question mark for the Warriors would be the health, but I have to sort of temper that by saying when Matt Cause and I were doing the postgame show last night, uh, we saw Kawhi Leonard go up to the podium, and he was not exactly marching. He was limping, so um, everybody's hurt here. The question is, you know, can you get through it? Uh, and, and that is the big question when the uh, the two big Warriors, Durant and, and Thompson, return, uh, returning in what kind of shape, and, and can they be exploited? And we'll see. I mean, that, that's the big question mark. Um, I was asked on News Talk 1010 earlier this morning about, you know, what this means. And so my wording on John's show was, uh, what it means is after game one, I, I classified the Raptors as having a possibility of winning the championship and last night, I moved them into a new category, legitimate shot. I mean, you may be way ahead of me on this, and, and I can't get there because it just it ruins what I do. But uh, for me, legitimate shot. You're up 2-1. There's all those numbers about what happens when you win game three. And they're not etched in stone, but the percentages are there. Uh, based on how they played, you, you looked at that performance last night. What a thrilling thing to watch. The pace. We had Tom Sterner on the postgame. The pace of play. And so who wrote the book on that? That would be the Warriors. And so yet again, and we've done this so many times throughout the course of the playoffs, where I would turn and say to you, the Raptors beat the Sixers at their own game. The Raptors beat the Bucks at their own game. Did you ever think that you would hear me say, the Raptors beat the Warriors at their own game? Because that's exactly what happened. The pace was remarkable, really fast stuff, and really entertaining to watch, and... Just a thrill to be a part of that broadcast. But, uh, I mean, the, the pace... And how many times in that game did the Raptors go up by 10 and then psh, it's, it's a five-point lead? But that cat-and-mouse game kept going because even though there was concern expressed about, well, you know, the Raptors have to be careful. Yeah, of course they do. But but they then, if, if the lead went from 10 to 5, it went back up to 10. And that happened on a regular basis. There's just some great performances uh, that uh, we could talk about, and we will very shortly. I just want to map out the rest of the show. At 11 o'clock, Sherman Hamilton, our NBA analyst, will stop by. At 11.20, Ben Cohen will stop by. He is the sports reporter for the Wall Street Journal. And at 11.40, our good friend Dwayne Watson, uh, who works for NBA TV and also does the games with me. Uh, he is in Oakland, so we'll get his take on, on what he saw last night. But, but so many stunningly great performances and again, how we would sum up a Raptors victory, how many times have we said this, that they needed more from everybody, and, and by gosh, that's what they got. Uh, just a, a, like the box score analysis, Pascal Siakam, 18 points, up from 12 the last game. Obviously not the 32 in game one, but, but he was a factor last night. Uh, Kawhi Leonard normally uh, does his job, and he did. 30 points last night. Gasol, 17. Green, 18. So 
when you go back to the early stages of game one, what did we say? A three from Gasol, a three from Green, and you knew it was going to be a good night. Last night, uh, they were firing early. In fact, all of Green's points came on, on three-point shots. He took ten shots in the game, all from the outside, and can six. And so when he's firing like that, and he had to respond, and, and that's the other consistent thing that you would get out of Gasol and Green is uh, if you don't like their performance, check in in the next game because these guys know what to do and when to do it, and they will respond, and that was certainly the case last night. Kyle Lowry, 23 points, and he had nine assists, so he's distributing the ball. Uh, just really fantastic stuff. And off the bench, Ibaka, timely with six points, but uh, and, and defensively as well, and Freddie, Steady Freddie, uh, the Raptors version, 11 points, and uh, just a great contribution. I, I did zero in on some things. Uh, you know, the second quarter was problematic. There was that, that gap of, you know, if you go back to game two, it was the six-minute gap to start the second half. And last night, there was a four-minute gap in the second quarter where they didn't do anything. They didn't score a point. And that was the result of seven turnovers and 11 fouls. I mean, they were just stuck in mud. And they came out of that. They still had the lead at the half. Where's my scoreboard? They had it by eight at the half. And then when you come into the third quarter, what I always like about these games is the adjustment that can be made. And so the adjustment that was made in the third quarter was you go from seven turnovers down to two. You go from 11 personal fouls down to one. What a stunning turnaround. Now, you wouldn't see that on the scoreboard. But in terms of the Raptors continuing what they were doing, that adjustment had to be made. And they certainly did. Uh, the other thing that was stunning last night, the, the blocks. The Raptors checked in with 10 blocks. And I'm just going to do a quick search here. To, yeah, Serge Ibaka had six. Ten blocks in the game. Golden State only had three. Uh, the Raptors also distributed the ball well. 30 assists and 25 for the Golden State Warriors. But the 123-109 score tells you that the Raptors dealt the cards. And how many times have we said that in order for the Raptors to go on here, I've always felt they had to be in the lead and... Because Golden State will come back. I mean, this is a good good ball team, no question about that. Regardless of who's in the lineup, they still play with a lot of good pace as well. Just couldn't keep up with the Raptors last night. I still go back to that lineup. They beat the Warriors at their own game. That is really remarkable, to say the very least. And so here we are, 2-1 for the Raptors after three games. And the scores, 118-109, 109-104, 123-109. And so 109 is what the Warriors get three games in a row. They only have one win. A lot of speculation about, okay, who comes in tomorrow? And I remember, I mean, what's going to be done today? What can Kevin Durant do today to, to heal in basically 24 hours? I mean, how is he going to be upgraded from what he was yesterday? Clay Thompson, I mean, is he going to be that much better? And that was a weird story last night, I have to say. In the pregame, about a half hour before, we get the word that he was going to play. And then 20 minutes later, the story was canceled. No, he's not going to play. Uh, there was a great bit on Jay and Dan. Uh, I saw it on the loop this morning. James Duffy and Chris Bosch talking about uh, the injury, and Bosch said he had that injury before. And if Clay Thompson comes back not fully healed, he's going to make it worse. He's going to look all right for a while. Then he's going to have a major problem, either a rip or a tear in the hamstring, which would knock him out. I, you know, you go back to how effective can you be? And uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, so they dress, what if they dress the both of them and play the both of them? And then the Raptors aren't stupid. They're going to sit there and go, well, let's give him the ball. Let's see what he can do. Let's force him to play more. And then gradually it's a wear down. I, boy, I, I just I suddenly look at the game tomorrow night as the way I looked at last night's game in that there is a possibility of something happening for 
the Raptors based on what's presented. I mean, when you know that Clay Thompson isn't playing, you have to win that game. I mean, that's you're not, you're not taking advantage of something, but but he's not there, so you want to win that game. If you lose that game, then all of a sudden it tips in the other direction. And you know, many times people will say, "Well, the Raptors are getting away with something." No, no, they're not. They're winning games, and they're full value for the win. If you want to go through that, you could go. You could cancel out a lot of championships, and one of them would be Golden State's win over Cleveland way back when. When it was just LeBron and, and his supporting staff was injured, and nobody nobody said that that wasn't a, a full win for the Warriors, they celebrate that, and the Raptors should celebrate where they are in this series. I did a, a bit of a comparison from games two to three for select players. These are people that we talked about quite a bit going into game three last night. One of them would be Cousins for uh, the Warriors, and so in game two, he had. 28 minutes, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, and 11 points. Last night, reduced to 19 minutes, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and 4 points. And so that's the back-and-forth nature. So he did that. Uh, Nobody knew what he was going to do in Game 2. He was successful. The Raptors adjusted, and he was only on the floor for 19 minutes last night. Uh, When you look at the guard situation without Thompson in, and you do the math. I mean, first of all, Steph Curry went off. He had 47 points. But if you put in Livingston, who was uh, subbing for Thompson, he only had four. And then the other replacement uh, would have been, uh, who am I looking for? Cook. And, and he had nine. So if you do the math there, that's 60 points over three guards. And I think that in a normal situation, you would count on Curry and uh, Thompson delivering 60 points. The bottom line is because it's now all coming out of Curry, you sort of let that happen, and then you shut down the rest of the team, which they did. Now, if you look at the point total, 47 out of 120, or sorry, out of 109, uh, do some quick math. That's 41 percent. But then you throw in Curry's assist total, another seven. So I mean, he's pretty well at 50 percent of what they were going to do. Now, now think about the, the the possibilities there. If you can reduce Steph Curry to controlling 50 percent of that offense and shut everybody else down. Uh, this gets really optimistic because he's going to do what he what he can do, and he did. This is just some weird stuff from last night's game, like the Kyle Lowry thing with the fan. Uh, I I don't know where that individual was coming from, but he was escorted out, and that's a lot of money to blow on his seat. I don't know what his finances are, but that's just ridiculous behavior in, in the heat of the, the moment to take on a player who's in progress. Uh, and I applaud the league and, and the building for just tossing the guy. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know why you would go there. Uh, back to other comparisons. Uh, let's go to the guys who really contributed for the Raptors. Green in Game 3. 27 minutes, 6 for 10, and they're all three-pointers. Five rebounds, 18 points. In Game 2, I think you could understand it wasn't that good. 26 minutes, 3 for 7, uh, two three-pointers, five rebounds, and only eight points. And this is a guy who has been there before and knows how to rally. And, boy, when you saw him start to can those threes last night, I, I know that you would have been along the, the thought process of this is going to be a good night for the Raptors. Uh, the, certainly that's where I was. Gasol, um, interesting transition as well. He goes from six points in game two to 17. Last night he plays 26 minutes, seven rebounds, four assists, 17 points in game two. Uh, he has six rebounds, two assists, and six points. So, so look at those two guys. In, in game two, Green and Gasol combined for 14 points. Uh, last night they combined for 35 points. Is that the margin of victory? 
Absolutely. We'll come back with some uh, sound to get us through the reaction of the game and also sort of the other sort of sound from like people like uh, Cabby and, and Nick Stoskis, uh, Stephen A., Bosch and Duthie, uh, uh, Tim Legler, Scott Van Pelt, and Danny Green. Uh, sort of analysis, in-depth analysis, but first we'll present what exactly happened. That's all coming up next on Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Long jumper up top, no good, and that's the way it ends. The Toronto Raptors have taken home court advantage back. They come to Oakland and win game three, the final. Toronto 123, Golden State 109. That was the final call last night, early this morning, from Paul Jones on our TSN 1050 broadcast. Tomorrow morning on First Up, Landsberg and Koliakov will be announcing a Raptors playoff keyword. Brian Hayes will then give you the cue to call during overdrive. First person through the correct keyword will win a pair of tickets to see the Raptors in Game 5 of the NBA Finals, courtesy TSN 1050. Now, I'm not going to tell you what could happen in Game 5 because that's not what I do. But I can do this. It is possible. <laughs> all right, now we weave the storyline all off the cuff with bullet points and, and audio. And let, let's start with, you know, the simple analysis for the Raptors is if you're watching, you're sitting in your favorite chair or the couch, you're around people. I mean, it wouldn't take a genius to do this, but, but it is absolutely bona fide and true. When the Raptors drop their shots, they win. Well, how good were they last night? Shooting 52.4%, three-point shots 44.7%, and from the foul line, 95.2%. What does all that mean? The Raptors are the third team in finals history to shoot 50% from the field, 40% from outside, and 90% from the line, joining the Warriors in 2017 and the Celtics in 1986. Only been done three times, one of them, Last night by the Raptors. The Raptors made 17 three-pointers in Game 3, tied for the most by any team on the road in NBA Finals history. That's what this team is doing. I mean, you could go through all these storylines that you don't want to uh, be, uh, I guess, confident or arrogant or whatever or are on the bandwagon. I'm not on the bandwagon. I just tell you what I see. But the fact of the matter is, this team is achieving something that is in select company. I mean, this is not um, this is not bonus round material. This is legitimate. Raptors are the second team over the last 20 years to have all five starters score at least 15 points in a finals game. They joined the Spurs, who did it in Game 5 of the 2013 Finals. Only two teams have done it. The Raptors, number two. So let's go to that starting five. I mean, and this is another thing you would always say about the Raptors after a win. Well, not always, because sometimes it was just Kawhi and Siakam in the early rounds. But in their comeback situation where they have to, and how many times did you hear me say they need more from everybody not named Kawhi? Well, they got it. Siakam, 18 points. Kawhi, 30. Gasol, 17. Lowry, 23. And Green, 18. And doubles off the bench, just uh, Freddie at 11. I mean, that is... That's the full Raptors look, really, offensively. And then you sprinkle in what they were doing in the pace of play. And there you have your victory. Uh, this is Green and uh, Kawhi Leonard in the presser after. And uh, Kawhi was asked how it feels to get a win in the Oracle Arena. It feels good. I mean, I don't think about what happened two years ago. Um, pretty much living in and now. And I'm just happy we were able to get a game three win. Another step closer to our goal. Why was let it rip just the right message tonight for you guys on the whiteboard? And who wrote it? And how well did Kyle Lowry follow that advice? I think we all kind of follow that advice, but it's just easier to uh, 
look at that now and say it worked great for us, you know, especially on a great shooting night. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been a while since the whole playoff series. We haven't really had a good team shooting night. And I knew eventually at some point we were due for one. So luckily we got, you know, one tonight, but we still have to do a better job defensively on the end of the floor to um, limit those guys uh, better so that we don't have to rely on our offense or our shooting to, to win games for us. But, you know, luckily it did tonight. Um, and, you know, hopefully next game we can continue to stay you know, warm and let it rip and hopefully play even better defense. Shaquille O'Neal um, <laughs> apparently offered some shooting advice to you. Um, He's a pure shooter. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah. Can, can you fill us in on, on what he suggested and, and what effect it had on, on your performance tonight? Yeah, I spoke to him before the game briefly. Um, you know, he was always on the, the TNT set, um, and he was out there before the game. And every time I see him, you know, he's giving me his pure shooting advice, um, you know, because he was, he was good at it. And, uh, but, you know, just the, the, the fundamentals, the small things, you know, he's telling me to be confident and just, you know, hold the follow through. And, um, you know, obviously, after a good shooting night, it's easy to, to see that his advice has worked. But, um, you know, his, he always just yells to me, you know, leave it. And that's his way of saying, you know, leave your hand up there, hold your father, and be confident in your shot. But, um, you know, he's always been that, that guy to me everywhere or every year. We get on the playoffs or on the stage where, you know, he comes over and you know, tells me, you know, stay confident and, you know, give me his shooting advice. What do you make of all this fan support so far? I don't know if you're aware, but uh, several Raptors fans, dozens of Raptors fans, rather, stuck around after the game, broke out a rendition of O Canada. And I just want to know what your thoughts were on just all this fan support, people traveling all the way here to the Bay Area to support you guys. I'll take this one since he answers probably a ton of them. Um, but our fans have been uh, amazing for us throughout the whole season and in the playoffs especially. Um, you know, and... The first two games, you know, did a great job. We didn't hold our end up the second game, too. Um, but, you know, we got to come back home, hopefully, you know, keeping them proud or make them proud. And hopefully up in the series would be great. Um, but all around the world, there's, there's, you know, Canadian fans, surprisingly. You know, that's one thing I've learned being on this team. Um, a, a lot of Canada is, is all over, and it's kind of close. Uh, people from Vancouver may drive down. But Raptors fans are crazy, man. They're all over the place, and they come from all over the place to make the games to watch the games to support us and we know how big of a stage and how big of an accomplishment it is it's just us getting here but we know the job's not done and we want to continue to make them proud and hopefully you know give them their first title going into the game especially when you found out the rap the, the warriors are going to be without clay how important was it in retrospect to make sure you got this one um on the road it was very important, but um, I really didn't find out till the you know tip-off started. Uh, they told us that he was playing tonight, and um, you know that was the mindset going out on the floor that he's playing. And you know, it was a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure too. You know, if uh, you know one of the main guys not playing, they could still come out and get a win. You know, Steph played great tonight, but um, you know it's big. I'm, I'm happy we got it. Um, two wins away now, and um, let's see what momentum this momentum carries to. Kawhi, when you have such balanced scoring uh, from your starting unit, how does that help your game both offensively and defensively? And the secondary question that I had for you, I know you're not on social media, but I don't know if you were aware that your catchphrase, the board man gets paid, uh, is going very viral uh, right now. We just want to confirm, is that actually something that you said? <laughs> I used to say that back when I was in high school and college. Um, 
you know, just wanting to get to this to this league. Um, just it's, it's about you know working hard, basically. Um, outworking the opponent. You know, rebounds help you win games. Big rebounds, offensive rebounds, um, limiting the team to one shot, and. You know, um, that used to be our motto. Um, just, you know, some of us that were in college that was trying to get to this point. Um, I forgot your first two questions. How does the, the balance scoring of the starting unit help open up your game offensively? Well, I mean, you know, once I'm driving in the paint, I'm kicking out to guys that are making shots. The defense, uh, you know, doesn't want to collapse as easy. And, um, you know, we just got to keep playing in, in a flow, really. Um, I feel like we just we don't need to worry about me scoring the basketball. Um, we all could score with the offense that we have. We just got to keep moving it. At times when I do have the ball, the deep, the offense gets real stagnant, and you know we just stay in uh, one spot, and that's so easy to guard if you're um, defending us. So it's about just moving the ball, playing a playing a um, you know the team sport, and trusting everyone. That is Kawhi Leonard along with Danny Green post game last night. You know, a couple of things jump off the page from what he said there. First of all, we talked about the offense. So Toronto scored 123 points, the most the Warriors have allowed at home in the NBA Finals under Steve Kerr. And the Raptors also got 106 points from their starting five, the most in any playoff game in their franchise history. And that was the full Raptors look offensively. And uh, you could say defensively, but the fact that they were able to keep that pace up for the full 48 minutes and actually beat the Warriors at their own game, regardless of who's in the lineup. That is a, that is a stunning accomplishment and something to be very, very proud of. Now, I, I don't know, you know how you consumed the game last night, and I don't know where this showed up. I just I saw it on social media. You're likely aware of the scene pregame where they're, they're going to go out on the floor, and Norman Powell tries to do the fist pump with Kawhi. And he just he points ahead and just stiffs him. He gives him the like the, the the physical yes guy. He just blew right by him. There was no animosity there, but it's like, dude, nothing to get jacked up about. You're you're paid to be ready. Just go do your job. I mean, he didn't say that, but that was the feeling. But I just I looked at that and went, hey, that's a yes guy. That's a physical yes guy. They just steam right by the guy. I thought that was priceless. Uh, more audio now, and we'll go to uh, Marcus Saul and his performance again. I'm just going to repeat some of this stuff that I said earlier. 26 minutes, he had seven rebounds, four assists, and 17 points. And boy, did he look huge last night. He just really did a nice job. And uh, he was asked how they were able to hold off the Warriors, who kept coming back time and time again. I thought defensively, um, we did a better job closing out the game, especially the last six minutes of the game. Um, you know, they create a lot of attention, and, and rightfully so with Steph. That he makes a lot of shots, he makes a lot of plays. Um, but you know, I thought that our weak side was better uh, the last six minutes. How much were you guys able or to last take eight. out of that stretch to begin the third quarter in Game Two that you applied to sort of? Put it uh, you, you learn, you move on, and, and you you know you hope to do better and next next time you you know you encounter that challenge. I thought tonight. Our third quarter was better, um, beginning, especially defensively. Uh, I thought defensively um, on game two we were out of character and um, kind of like we were guarding one action, but not the next action or the next action. So, you know, it's a team that you got to guard, you know, for 24 seconds every possession. And then you got to rebound when you're going to be probably um, out of position. Say that again. One game. Uh, we play. We play Friday. Um, it's a huge game for both teams. That's all that matters. Mark, How easy was it to one from you on your home court? How much does it need to take one back here? Now, all that matters now is game four, um, and, and nothing else matters. Nothing else is important. But game four, watch film, see what they try to do. Um, 
see what work. Potentially, what they they can do to to solve some issues um, that they had, and and some of the things that we can do better uh, at the same time. Mark, how much are you thinking about the prospect of Kevin Durant coming back to Game Four? Game Four doesn't matter to you. Uh, I mean, obviously, it matters because it changes the game plan. Um, if he plays, we'll get ready for him. But uh, you know, you like I think I, we said it yesterday. We'll be ready, be ready for whoever you know um, plays. And if it's Kevin, if it's Clay, if it's you know whoever it is, um, you know we, we're going to have a game plan for them, and we're going to try to execute it for 48 minutes. I know slowing down Steph is a five-man job, but Fred seems to get a lot of the uh, a lot of the job early on anyway. Fred, Fred has a heart that you know I don't know how he fits in his chest. He has a huge heart. He fights. He's scrappy, he's steady, um, one heck of a player. How big were those minutes that you guys got from Surge in the fourth quarter? Um, huge, especially defensively. You know, one, Obviously, he made that big jump shot and then the rebound, but I hope defensively he did a tremendous job of being patient uh, patient uh, on you know on, the, on penetrations and coming over the top and um, you know just sending it to the crowd. Mark, you've been on a lot of deep teams, uh, and it seems like this team has gotten stronger and stronger throughout the different yeah. games in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. What's the feeling in the locker room knowing that you're just a couple of wins? Game four, no, no, game four. Stop, like, don't. Game four. All that matters. Game four. I know you guys are trying to, you know, go somewhere else. Game four is the only game that matters, and uh, we're gonna have to work harder than we did tonight. Even though we, you know, it feels like we went the hardest we can go. We got, we gotta go harder. Well, two things you got to love out of that. I mean, Gasol would not move past game four. So one game at a time. And uh, you heard earlier Kawhi Leonard uh, not preoccupied about who was in the, the Warriors lineup. Didn't really have any concern about that. Not that he ever did, but didn't really wasn't really aware of it until the tip-off. And, and so that is in-the-moment stuff. Uh, let's, let's just move on. to You know, there's another stat here that you should be aware of. I mean, Steph Curry last night becomes the first player in the last 20 NBA Finals to have at least 40 points five assists and five rebounds through the first three quarters. Uh, only seven points the rest of the way. But, I mean, this you knew that he was going to have a stud performance. It, I mean, they, they, they really didn't have much else. And so he was going to carry the load. And, and the Raptors wisely, uh, you know, sort of contained that, if you can contain 47 points. But because it only came from the one source, the rest of the team suffered. And, and that was one of the keys to success as well. Now, I, I don't know, uh, it, you know, if you can get some, uh, if you can get some violin music for this. But, but I think we may need to to play this clip and then maybe replay it with some some sort of sad violin music. This is Draymond Green, um, and, well, he's just, he's got the heart on his sleeve. That's all I can say. Let's listen. You know, not having anyone uh, makes a difference because everyone, you know, when you assemble the team, everyone brings something different. You know, no one cares that guys are hurt. Everybody wants to see us lose. I'm sure people are happy they're hurt. We just got to continue to battle and win the next game, go back to Toronto, win game five, come back to Oracle, win game six, and then celebrate. Fun times ahead. Oh, really, guy? Let's do that with some violin music, just to see, just to have some fun on the broadcast, ad-libbing. Do we have it? Okay, let's you know, go. Not having anyone uh, makes a difference because everyone, you know, when you assemble the team, everyone brings something different. You know, no one cares that guys are hurt. Everybody wants to see us lose. I'm sure people are happy they're hurt. We just got to continue to battle. And win the next game, go back to Toronto, win game five, come back to Oracle, win game six, and then celebrate. Fun times ahead. Oh, that was sweet. Well done. (laughs) 
Well, if I'm laughing, you're laughing. Maybe. There's that possibility. Steve Kerr, uh, he really gave the credit to Kyle Lowry. Let's read his line again. 43 minutes uh, from the field. 8 of 16. That includes 5 of 9 from outside. 2 of 2 from the line. He had 4 rebounds, 9 assists, a steal and a block, and 23 points. And Steve Kerr said Kyle Lowry was the driver last night. I think Kyle set a, a tone, played a great game for them, and uh, set a really good tone early, uh, made some shots, controlled the game. He was a huge factor for them, um, played, a, played a fantastic game. And that was Steve Kerr with uh, a brief tribute to Kyle Lowry. Uh, what else did I want to tell you? Ka- Kawhi Leonard, uh, seven rebounds in the Game 3 win, and with it, he set a new franchise record and on this, uh, he, a new franchise record for 188 rebounds in a single season. It's a lot of rebounds. It's a lot of work. That, I mean, that guy, when you watch that guy play, I mean, how many times have I said it? He is, he is the guy. And the, the yes guy stiff he did at Norman Powell was absolutely priceless. Here's Kyle Lowry talking about uh, that thing that Nick Nurse uh, wrote on, on the board for the team, let, let it rip, and, and it certainly would describe what the Raptors did last night. I think that was a, more of a, a message for the team. Um, we shot 38 threes a night. And, um, you know, we got up a lot, a lot of threes, a lot of attempts, and um, just played play basketball. For me, it was just coming out being aggressive and, um, you, know, not, not, you know, not so being passive and trying to get everybody else involved and more so get myself going and, um, you know, I'd let everybody else feed off of that. You had a pretty big breakout game this third game, and the entire team of starters scored in double digits. What did you do to approach this game differently to really help this balance attack? Uh, kept the pace up, kept kept you know kept our pace up and kept going, and um, you know trying to get the ball out quick and getting stops and communication and, and just kept playing. Um, you know, we know that they're possible. They always can make runs in this building, but you know, we stayed level-headed. Um, just continue to kind of, you know, just keep going and going and going and staying in the moment. How, how was it you guys were able to to find an answer every time they hit a big shot or Steph got a big shot? Um, somebody came up with a play, and also, I did see the fan shove you on the sideline on the. Um, court side there, and how disappointing was that moment um, for you? For, for us, we just, you know, we, we know that they're going to make good runs and make shots, but um, we watched uh, that third quarter, you know, game two, and we just got to continue to play with pace, and, and that was the one thing about it. We played with pace half court, full court, and, and that was uh, a big thing for us, and um, as for that fan, there's no place in it for that. You know, he had no reason to touch me. He had no reason to reach over two seats and then say some vulgar language to me. There's no place for people like that in our, in our league. And, um, you know, hopefully he never goes, comes back to an NBA game. The finals is obviously, you know, it, it, it was a new frontier for a lot of you guys before game one. And Nick, what he's gone through this year and the circumstances and replacing Dwayne and all that stuff's all been well covered. But how, how much has he impressed you at this time of year with, I mean, he looks like a guy who's done this a whole bunch of times instead of <laughs> never before. Uh, he got a lot of championships, you know, in in England and his G League, and I mean Nick, I know he looks young, but he's pretty old. Um, <laughs> but he's been doing this a long time, man. And uh, his demeanor, like I've said this before, he literally has yelled at us like twice this whole season. And his demeanor is just kind of, you know, just you know, keep going and keep going and figure it out. And you know, all right, this is what we can do. This is what's happening. And he, his mind for the game has been uh, special. And, you know, the growth throughout the year has been um, pretty good for him. Um, you know, it's, he's not a first-time head coach. He's a first-time NBA head coach. But 
the experience that he's had, you know, in, in his, his many um, leagues and teams that he's been a head coach before, he's kind of just kind of, you know, stepped up and continued to grow with that. Kyle, the, the past years, your team has kind of hit a brick wall in the playoffs, and obviously you've broken through. Can you uh, share how the team has grown together to fight through? I mean, even down the, the stretch of this game, this team didn't quit. How have you guys grown to, to meet those challenges? Um, <clears throat> I think we just added, a, you know, a couple great pieces, you know, uh, adding Kawhi and Mark and, and Danny with their professionalism. Um, I think, you know, their, their championship, well, Danny's and Kawhi's championship pedigree. Nick's, you know, coming in as a coach that's, you know, won a few championships in G League. And we, we got Patrick McCall, who's got a ch couple championships. We got a bunch of guys who are, you know, professionals. And we got a good veteran group. And we all kind of just, you know, understand that this is, you know, it's our job and um, never get too up, never get too down. Um, you know, teams are going to, you know, make runs and you're going to not win every game. You're not going to lose every game, but you can continue to grow, um, you know, to the point to play, you know, to, until June. And that was always the goal with this team was to get to June. Kyle Lowry, postgame. Tomorrow morning on First Up, Lansberg and Koliakov will be announcing a Raptors playoff keyword. Brian Hayes will then give you the cue to call during overdrive. First person through the correct keyword will win a pair of tickets to see the Raptors in their Game 5 performance of the NBA Finals, courtesy TSN 1050. So we sliced and diced the box score. We heard from all the participants. Up next, the experts weigh in. This is Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Yeah, what is going on here? I mean, you know, you can look at this series and say, well, the Raptors are up 2-1. They had that bad period in Game 2 that cost them the 18-0 run. And last night they had a bad period for four minutes, but Kyle Lowry snapped them out of it, and they didn't pay the price for that. So I know what you're thinking. 2-1, maybe this is 4-1. I'm not going to go there, but you may be thinking this is 4-1, or maybe you're, you're actually sitting there going, you know what? This could be 3 nothing right now. You might be there. I'm not. What about Stephen A. Smith? Where is he on this? We're surprised, but maybe we shouldn't be because when you look at the first three games of these NBA Finals, one could argue that with the exception of a third quarter in Game 2, the Golden State Warriors have been outplayed, and Game 3 was no different. Kawhi came out and was Kawhi. Kyle Lowry dropped 23, including five three-pointers. Danny Green scored all 18 of his points on six three-pointers. They showed up. Pascal Siakam defended and dropped 18. Oh, by the way, Serge Ibaka had six blocks, and all of that was enough to overcome a 47-point explosion by Steph Curry, who had to do all that he did just to keep the Golden State Warriors into the mix without the services of Kevin Durant, without the services of a, a Clay Thompson as well. Biggest disappointment of the night, Boogie Cousins, an absolute no-show. One of seven shooting from the field, just four points. Gave you absolutely nothing. The question now is, will it continue? We will find out in game four. Joe Lacob, the owner of the Warriors, told me personally, Kevin Durant will be back this series. When will that be? And will Clay join him? That's the question right now to think about with the Warriors because clearly what they put forth on the court in game three ain't good enough to win this series. Oh, absolutely. Totally concur with that. And, and, and you know, the, the Durant-Thompson insertion in the lineup you, you wonder when that happens is it game four or is it game five 
And again, when you have the final answer, if you know they're in for game four, it might tell you that they are ready to come back. Although I don't know how that would happen, especially with Durantis, who's going to have some sort of a scrimmage thing today. I don't know what that tells you. And then, you know, you go to the Cousins story is probably the good example about what happens when you're bringing somebody back in the lineup. And so in his first game, he played eight minutes and was noticeable, but not a factor. In his second game, he was he was a factor. And last night, he was canceled out. So, you know, if they're appearing on Monday in game four, Five. If both Thompson and Durant are appearing Monday in Game 5, that would tell you that that is the desperation move based on the fact that the Raptors would have won Game 4. But we're not there yet. This is all in the developing story stage and, and very intriguing to watch because you just don't know. And, and as I said earlier, last night at uh, half hour before the game, uh, there was a proclamation that Thompson was going to play. And 20 minutes later, it was negated and canceled out. And, and so... And I actually thought that when we got the first word uh, 30 minutes before game time, that was a little early to make that call. But uh, And my skepticism was rewarded because Clay Thompson was not in the lineup last night. Uh, so with that in mind, here's Cabby and Stauskas talking about what the Warriors are missing without Clay Thompson. Well, they're missing a lot. Obviously, Clay Thompson brings a lot to the floor, but it just puts so much on the shoulders of Steph Curry. And obviously, they've been without KD, but when you take away Clay as well, it's, this is just a completely different team. And what disappointed me today was in situations like this, this is why the Warriors went after DeMarcus Cousins and brought him in. And I would have loved to see, I mean, if you're, if you're a Warriors fan, you would have loved to see more from DeMarcus Cousins. He just didn't look himself today. And to be honest, the rest of the Warriors supporting cast looked very average tonight. And uh, the Raptors took advantage of that. How different is Golden State without the defense of Klay Thompson? Well, that makes a huge difference as well. Let's, let's be real. Other than Draymond Green, I mean, maybe even without Draymond Green, Klay Thompson is their best perimeter defender. You know, he's able to guard Kawhi Leonard. He's able to guard Kyle Lowry, Danny Green. And all those guys had a field day today. And the whole Raptors offense, they were generating pretty much any shot they wanted to get at any time, whether it was a layup or an open three. The, the players really had a field day. The, the, the Warriors defense was poor today, and they definitely felt the, the, the mispresence of Klay Thompson. Strength in numbers has been a rallying cry for the Golden State Warriors in the Steve Kerr era. Now, without number 35 in his jersey, without number 11 in his jersey, they didn't have enough strength to tame a group of velociraptors. They needed that little clicky thing that Chris Pratt had in Jurassic World. And tonight was reminiscent of LeBron James in the 2015 NBA Finals. So how impossible of a task was it for Steph Curry to carry the load offensively for the Golden State Warriors? It was extremely, extremely impossible. The Raptors were by far the more talented team today. The the roster that the Raptors had is, is much more talented than the Warriors without without Clay and Kevin Durant. So I mean, Steph had to be ultra aggressive every time he came down the floor. Whether he had the ball, whether he didn't, he had to fight at all times to get open because he knew no one else was really scoring for them. So he took that all on his own shoulders and he finished with 47. Played an amazing game, like you said, similar to what LeBron used to have to do with the Cavs, but. Look, this Raptors team is no joke. One player is not going to get it done. So it's really showing they, this Warriors team needs their full cast in order to, to handle these Raptors. 
And, you know, when you look at the Curry numbers, again, 47 points, 7 assists, so that'll give you 54 and, uh, well, actually more than 54 points because those are two- or three-point plays. So bottom line is he's worth about 55% of their offense in last night's game, and that's not a real problem, as gaudy as those numbers are. The fact of the matter is you're allowing the 50% to come from one source, and so you let that happen because you're going to triple that. And uh, the other sources you are controlling because you're limiting the other 50 or 45%, and, and that matters equation alone gives you the victory. It doesn't really describe how well the Raptors played, but but it, it sort of reduces what the Warriors are capable of. Takes a couple of dimensions out of their offense and defense. And so you heard uh, Nick Stauskas talk about uh, the defensive ability of Clay Thompson. And so one of the things you exploit when he comes back, you're going to assume he's not 100%, is you work him. You try to get him to do things to, to get into situations that'll re-aggravate that injury. And, and so you really work him right away and, and worry about what happens in the second half when it shows up. Uh, further analysis now. Chris Bosch with James Duthie uh, wondering, because when you look at that box score, it is a dream come true for the Raptors. Here is Mr. Bosch on that. Almost. And I like especially the way that they got Marcus Saul involved. I'm a big man. And getting the big man involved <laughs> right. is crucial in early game situations. You want them doing that dirty work. You want them setting screens, getting rebounds. They got Mark Gasol involved early in this game, playing inside out, not trying to do too much, playing their game, and playing a good team basketball all-around game where everybody was involved, and um, it went well for them. Well, let's let's start with the start, not just Gasol, but the fact that you talked about in our pregame how much you hate this building, how loud it is. How did they take the crowd right out of it? almost right away well i think just by executing they executed their offense dumping it down to the mismatch like i was saying with mark making sure they get those early post and paint touches getting him established early that takes the crowd out of it if they're playing fast steph curry had 47 points it's the quietest 47 points i've ever seen in my life in the finals that's because toronto controlled the place they played fast when it was time to play fast but when it was time to slow it up and get a good shot they did that as well and that was the full raptors effort last night don't question about that uh, so i mean does it raise the bar in your expectations you know what they're capable of for me if you just throw all those numbers out it was the pace of the game just do do the sort of the sight test the pace of the game how they never really backed off except for that four minute span in the second quarter where they were absolutely stuck in mud and just looked like they they didn't know what they were doing and kyle lowry snapped them out i think he had a couple of threes in there and he was uh, he, he kept it going where that could have been a, an absolute turnaround but but kyle stepped up and said no but really when you you go back over the memory banks and just do a quick what did i see last night i saw a really fast-paced game with the scoring going back and forth and uh, try as they did uh, the the warriors could only cut that double digit lead down to, to half of it and as soon as they did the raptors jacked it back up to uh, another 10 12 point lead and, and that was a consistent ebb and flow on the scoreboard throughout that game just absolutely stunned by what the raptors did very enjoyable to watch and uh, loved that the fan got heaved out after he uh, took a swipe at Kyle Lowry. The officiating, yeah, that's a storyline, but uh, not a real concern at this point. But but sometimes you wonder, you, you look at that and you go, wow, what did you see? Don't know what to say. We will have guests coming up next, including Sherm Hamilton. You are listening to Raptor Shootaround on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca.